Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, the show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Happy Monday. It is Monday, and we hope that you guys have a fantastic case of the good Mondays, Mm. not the bad Mondays. Get your coffee ready. Yes. We have our coffee again. We're ready to go. We are in uh, today, 2 Chronicles 17 through 19, so 17, 18, 19, and then uh, in the New Testament, John 15. So I hope you have about four hours because... That little, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Four yeah. to six. I I give us a little it. bit of wiggle room here. Yeah. We are pastors and preachers after all. That's true. And Second Chronicles is so rich. So good. And John 15 is okay. It's all good. Yeah. Honestly, I don't know how we're not going to spend four hours here at minimum. Right. People right now are checking this podcast. <laughs> how, going, how, my, how many minutes is this? I don't have it. It's triple speed. Buckle up. Buckle up. Here we go. All right. Well, Second Chronicles 17 through 19. We have been through Rehoboam in the divided kingdom. Rehoboam, Abijah, Asa, and now we come to Jehoshaphat. Uh, if you have a child named Jehoshaphat, uh, please let us know. Hey, you get a high five. The show comments. Hey, high five. Jehoshaphat, fun fact, uh, means Yah, Yahweh, Jehoshaphat. Uh, Yahweh is judge or Yahweh judges. So if you are if you want to call your kid that, that would be a really cool name. Yahweh judges. The Lord judges. Uh, Johnny, Jehoshaphat, what does your name mean? The Lord judges? <laughs> hey, man, he would be born to be a preacher, I he think. He would have to be. He would have what to else be. could he do? I don't know. Uh, well, Jehoshaphat, uh, the namesake of your future children, is uh, here in Second Chronicles. And he, uh, in, in chapter 17, kind of gets a, a summary, kind of a high-level view of his reign overall. Uh, and then the Chronicle in, verse, in chapter 18 dives into a particular interaction that is recorded for us also in the book of Kings, um, where he makes an alliance with the king in the north, Ahab. You may remember Ahab. Ahab was not a great guy. Um, his wife was even worse. But uh, uh, there's this alliance that's made, and they There's um, this unique interaction that we'll get into there between uh, Ahab and Jehoshaphat, and there's a disguise. There's, if you like spies and James Bond stuff, there's a disguise that takes place here. There's prophets. There's a lot going on in chapter 18. And then in chapter 19, uh, we find out that God wasn't necessarily a huge fan of the alliance that Jehoshaphat made with Ahab. I wonder why. We'll find out. Um, but that's that's this section, 17, 18, 19. So in chapter 17, like I said, kind of high-level view of Jehoshaphat's reign, specifically in the first six verses, you're going to see just some some pretty strong commendation. Verse 3, the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the earlier ways of his father David. He did not seek the Baals, but sought the God of his father and walked in his commandments mm. and not according to the practices of Israel. Therefore, the Lord established his kingdom in his hand. Again, when we see mm, so good. in Chronicles, we seek the Lord, the Lord responds favorably. And that was Jehoshaphat. So chapter 17 kind of goes on, talks a little bit about his officials some things like that and the rest of it. But it's kind of saying, hey, Jehoshaphat was on a good track. Chapter, even yeah, to the ahead. point of verse six, if you ever want to say this about me, I'd never be upset about that. Listen to this commendation. His heart was courageous in the ways of the Lord. I love that. I don't, I don't know all of what is meant by that. I looked at the different translations. Some, some put it this way. He took great pride in the Lord's ways. Another translation said his heart was devoted to the ways of the Lord. Another one said his heart took delight in the ways. So you kind of get the idea or the sense of what's happening. But man, this guy is fired up for the law of God and he doesn't care who knows it. Yeah. He's all about the ways of the Lord. I want that commendation. And it even seems like there's some cracks in the dam, so to speak, with the people in Judah because it looks like the high places have crept back in. And it mm, says in the rest of verse 6, just like his dad, he also went out and found the high places and, and got 
rid of them. They're like cockroaches, man. Just they just fully, show up. Yeah, <laughs> fully devoted. Stomp uh, those puppies out to uh, to the following the Yahweh. High places. Not the high places. Uh, chapter 18, then, we get into this alliance that he makes with Ahab. And uh, it, it says, verse 18, he had great riches and honor. And, and this is kind of a theme, too, we find in Scripture. When, when things are going well, it's easy for us to begin to drift. Slip sliding. And we begin to, to maybe not seek the Lord as much. And he makes this marriage alliance with Ahab. Well, he's going to be called on that uh, because it says after some years, Ahab has some conflict. And he calls on Jehoshaphat to go to Ramoth Gilead with him. And Jehoshaphat Shabbat said, I, I'm here. I'm with you. Yep. I'm, I'm as you are. My people are as your people. And, and we got to remember, y'all, the, the, the northern kingdom is not following God at this point. They have ever since Jeroboam. Like never, though. No. Like never. It, you, earlier you said that Ahab was like first place or second place to Jezebel. I would disagree with you. I think they're both first place for last place. They are both equally awful in different ways. They're the best at the worst. They're the best, worst people best worst people yeah and, and so this alliance is not good and we might kind of give them a pass because it's israel and we hear the word israel and we're like oh okay but if this was syria if this was um an, another nation egypt someplace like that we would go well he shouldn't be making an alliance with them and yep. that's true here as well in chapter 18 with ahab they call for a prophet uh, ahab kind of has surrounded himself with his yes men who are like yeah everything's gonna go great king it's false prophets right and uh and jehoshaphat knows enough to say hey isn't there anybody else that is going to give us maybe a second opinion and right. so they call this guy micaiah and micaiah comes up and doesn't pull punches and says yeah you, you're gonna win but jehoshaphat um ahab ahab you're not gonna win in this this is not gonna go well for you because it says israel is gonna be scattered left like sheep without a shepherd. Yep. And clearly that's a reference to the death of Ahab. Ahab interprets that way, imprisons Micaiah, and uh, and yet they still decide to go to battle anyways, which is a little bit puzzling. Well, clearly uh, he doesn't believe the prophet of God because he, he even says, hey, when I when I return in peace, then we'll, we'll let him out of prison. So he's clearly hearing what he's saying, but he's not believing. And that really is the problem of the northern kingdom. They don't honor God's word. They, they disregard him every turn of the, that they have. One thing you shouldn't miss, and even though it's a small verse, it's going to come back to bite Judah down the line, is the verse 1, the marriage alliance with Ahab that Jehoshaphat makes. You should know in your study Bible who he gets married to, or rather who his son marries. He's going to marry a daughter of Ahab who's named Athaliah. Let that name ring a bell for you, but don't forget it. Because that's going to come back, and ultimately, that marriage alliance is going to be one of the reasons for the downfall of Judah down the line. It might even come back in like tomorrow's reading. It could. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Oh man, if only someone knew. Who knows? Anyways, they decide to go to war, and uh, I don't know why Jehoshaphat agrees to this, but Ahab's like, "Hey, we're going to do this. I'm going to disguise myself like like just one of the plebes, one of the regular guys. You wear your royal attire." What a funny setup. I think we should try that. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's something you would try to pull with me. You'd be like, okay, I'm going to disguise myself. Why don't you wear like a giant target on your forehead? <laughs> and then let's see what happens. <laughs> well, it wouldn't work out for me, I'm guessing, because it didn't work out here either. Yeah. Well, it, no, because it says in verse 31, as soon as the captains of the chariot shot, saw Jehoshaphat, they said, it's the king of Israel. So they turned to fight against him. Jehoshaphat cries out and the Lord responds and helps him. And, mercy uh, and has that is mercy, mercy on, him. on him for sure he's in the he's in the worst place that he should he shouldn't even be there right and god still grants him grace and protection which he is not due right totally uh and then 
it just so happens that the disguised King Ahab, I love how the, the Bible puts it, it the, the archer drew his bow at random. Mm. It wasn't random at all. Nope. This is, is God's execution of justice against a wicked and evil king. He shoots Ahab. Ahab ends up dying. Well, chapter 19 then comes along and we learn that God was not necessarily happy uh, with Jehoshaphat for all of this and everything going on here. It says that the in, in chapter 19 there um, that he's he's confronted by the Lord basically for, for this alliance that he makes with Israel. Um, but he ends up responding well, seeking the Lord, and, and because of his faithfulness previously, things don't go horribly wrong for him there as, as much as at least they could have. Yeah, notice here at verse 3 again, one of the reasons why God is going to show him mercy and even grace and the rest of his kingly leadership is because he has set his heart to, you saw this already before, to seek God. And yet we see another theme repeated, the refrain given again, seeking God has blessing and benefit. Uh, post-exilic Israel, don't forget this, or Judah, I should say, don't forget this. Seek after the Lord your God and he will reward you. And unlike the, his his father, Jehoshaphat, finishes well, it appears. He sets up judges. He encourages the people. Now let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Be careful what you do. Verse 7, for there's no injustice with the Lord our God or partiality in taking bribes. Um, he appoints Levites, priests, heads of family to give judgment for the Lord. to despise. He finishes well, and that's a good model for us. But I was reminded in this, uh, just even as we think about ourselves and in our culture around us, and there's always this delicate balance between loving the lost and hating uh, the the opposition to God. And Psalm 139 makes a very strong statement in verse 21 when David says, do I not hate those who hate you? Yep, that's tough. That is hard because we think to ourselves, well, shouldn't we love the lost and share the gospel with them? And I think yes, but there does appear to be a, a principle of those that are just abhorrently wicked and evil and defying God, that there is a, a detestability about them. It's almost that right, righteous indignation that we think about, um, that we are indignant towards them, not because of our own offense, but because of the offense against God that they represent and that they are. Absolutely. And, and one of the things the principle carries through in the New Testament, we do pray for our enemies, but make no mistake, they are enemies. And they're the enemies of God. They're not personal enemies because, you know, they always park on my lawn or whatever it is. It's, it's not a vindictive kind of, I care about my reputation. It's about God's reputation. If we love God, we will hate everything that opposes mm. him. And that would include the evil done by evildoers. Mm. We hear about people that are promoting uh, legislation for abortion up and through nine months and beyond the womb. We get r rightly angry and upset about that. Not because we have any vendetta against the person, but because they stand up against all that God stands for. Righteousness, life, truth, justice. So be careful with this, but do recognize there is a place in the Christian's heart for a righteous indignation, a kind of hatred, although not like the world hates. It's a godly hatred. Right, right. John 15. Now's where we get into the rest of the six hours of this podcast. <laughs> How many hours has it been so far? It's not been six. Okay. Uh, John 15, New Testament reading today, uh, the concept of abiding in Christ. What an amazing uh, concept this is. What an encouraging thing this is that, that Jesus talks about here. Because it's a reminder to us that this is not 
hey, pull yourself up by your spiritual bootstraps and you know, mm. obey God in your own strength. In fact, when we try to do that, we fail. We do. Um, in fact, if you're listening to this podcast right now and, and your Christian life has been marked by more failure than success, if, if you've been marked by more discouragement than encouragement in the Lord, it, it may be that, that there's a disconnect between you and the vine. And that's the, the imagery, that's the metaphor that Jesus brings to bear here in John chapter 15 of the branches in the vine. And he says there very clearly in verse one, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. I'm not a gardener by any stretch of the imagination. Pastor Rod, would you mm. be a, a gardener? I am not. Yeah. But the, the metaphor is understandable even for people like us, right? The, the, the branch is fed by the, the nutrients of the vine. Mm-hmm. And if the branch is connected to a healthy vine, then the branch will bear fruit. If the branch is disconnected, if you look at a twig on the ground, that twig on the ground is, is lifeless. There's not new leaves coming on that twig. Why? Because it has no life in it. And sometimes our churches have a lot of twigs trying to put, you know, duct tape healthy leaves to themselves and say, look, I'm, I'm good because I, I, I've got these leaves on me. But there's no life in the in the branch. There's no life there. And Jesus is clear here. The danger is uh, the father's going to prune the vine. Right. And if there's no fruit, the father's going to get rid of that. But our focus can't be on, well, then I just need to try harder to bear more fruit. It's, right. No, I need to lean more into my relationship with Jesus. Yeah. And, and I think one of the coolest things about this is when Jesus says, I am the true vine. It supposes that there's a false vine. Now, there's two ways to understand that. And the first one, of course, is that there are things that we can abide in that are going to produce no fruit in us because we're abiding in something that's not ultimately going to nourish us. There is a sense that we can always wrestle with this for the rest of our Christian lives, looking for other things to satisfy, sustain, and create in us good things. You see this a lot in the self-help movement. You see podcasts and books that are out there with people that are offering suggestions and life hacks about how to thrive and how to, how to do really well in your career and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But Jesus says, those are not the vines you should be abiding in. Abide, abide in me. I am the true vine. But on top of that, you also have the analogy that Jesus is painting for Israel. Israel was supposed to be God's vine, and they, they failed miserably at being exactly what God called them to be. Jeremiah chapter 2, Isaiah chapter 5, those are something that you can look up later. But in contradistinction to them, he says, where Israel failed, I will succeed. I will please the Father. I will bear the fruit. And consequently, when we're connected to the true vine, we now can succeed. We now can bear fruit because we're connected to the true Israel, the one who succeeded where everyone else had failed. He then shifts to something that's somewhat hard for us to hear. And that is in verse 18, he says, look, if the world hates you, know that it is, it has hated me before it hated you. And, and again, we need to remember the context. This is part of the upper room discourse. This is Jesus getting ready to, to depart from his disciples, even though he's going to be back for them after the resurrection for 40 days. But, but he's, he's preparing them ultimately for life without him presently on earth. And he says, the world's going to hate you, um, but know that it has hated me first. And so uh, Christian, uh, hello, we find ourselves right now in June in the midst of, of Pride Month, um, and it doesn't take long for us to become a target and for the world to hate us and for the world to, to be angry with us because we stand out, and that's Jesus' point here. Uh, if, if we're following Jesus, if we look more and more like Jesus, the world is going to hate us more and more. Uh, the world is not going to uh, tolerate us because they, they don't tolerate him, and that, that should be our aim, not to, to stir the hornet's nest, you know, just for the sake of, of fun and excitement and be obnoxious about it. But if we are abiding in Christ, as he's just talked about, then that's going to draw the ire of the world around us for sure. And it's worth it. It's worth it. Christian, it's worth it. And you and I know this. And one of the reasons why we know it's worth it is verse 11. He tells us these things so that our joy may be full. He's not trying to rain on our parade. He's not trying to hurt us for hurting's sake. Jesus has a plan 
where he increases our joy through our obedience. And that's going to enable you to sustain that kind of response from the world. You'll be able to sustain the the sneers or the, the jokes made at your expense. Jesus wants to do good things in you. And part of that means you have to be willing to kind of go through the fire to get there. Yeah, and and again, just to remind us that this is not uh, something that we drum up within ourselves. We find in verse 26, that reminder again, but when the helper comes, uh, again, the spirit that, that Jesus sends, the spirit that comes from the Father and the Son, uh, when the helper comes, who I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. You will also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. And so we have just that encouragement that, that we don't abide in our own strength, um, and, and yet we're responsible to get up in the morning and do our daily Bible reading. We're responsible to get up in the morning and and pray. We're responsible to seek after the things that that please the Lord and and get rid of the things in our lives that don't bring pleasure to the Lord. So it's a a weird balance. It's a fine line, um, but God is is working in us, and and we are working it out at the same time. Yeah, it's us putting us, it's putting ourselves in the way of God's grace. Mm. We're allowing ourselves to be moved and to be shaped by God's grace when we pray and when we read our Bible, even in days that we don't feel like it. This is the way that we abide. We're trusting that as we open our Bibles and as we pray and as we go to church and commune with the saints, that through those things, God is enabling us and empowering us to experience more and more of his grace and his joy. Right. And the end of all those things is that we would know Christ more, right? That's right. That we would love him more, that we would exalt him with all everything that we are, um, that we would exalt Jesus in every single ounce of our lives. That That is the, the end of the means of every single one of our spiritual disciplines, of every single one of our pursuits. It's about Christ. It's about him. That's right. Well, we pray that this has been encouraging to you, and this is another day in the Daily Bible Podcast, and we will catch you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Mm